judge rules in favor of Trump administration in a California federal lands case. California escalates fight with Trump administration over clean vehicle rules. In California to allow thousands of nonviolent criminals with life sentences to seek parole. That's what's coming up in this week's episode of California Streaming. You're listening to the California Streaming Podcast with Bobby, Jonathan, and Louie. We're just three conservative friends trying to provide some counterbalance in one of the most liberal states in the union. So let's hop on our magic choo-choo train to nowhere and talk some California politics. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Welcome back. Thank you. Live and in color in front of a live studio audience. Not yet. Not yet. That was a joke. All right. What's going on? Uh, It's just another beautiful day in California. It's the weather. The weather keeps people here. That's all we got left. It is interesting. You wonder if we had uh, different weather, if we were cold and rainy all the time, would we be like just a Seattle? Jersey. Jersey. (laughs) Something like that. Because people will stomach the crap you kind of deal with here money-wise, tax-wise, because of the... The weather. I mean, we're looking outside today, and it's gorgeous. A lot of people in this state are here because they have enough money to situate themselves to prevent from having to deal with a lot of the ugliness that this state has because they they can financially shield themselves from that. You're right. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm living in a dream world. The dream world, Bobby. I'm a dreamer. Take us away. All right. We got ourselves a... Wonderful trio of articles here, but we'll start with the beginning. Judge rules in favor of Trump administration in California federal landscape. Uh, this is uh, from Politico. Landscape or land or land case? case? Lands case. I liked landscape. Landscape is fine. Uh, the Trump administration scored a legal victory when a federal judge in California blocked a state law that sought to limit the transfer of federal lands the California legislature passed Senate Bill 50, which would give the California State Lands Commission the first right or refusal over government proposals to sell land in 2017. Environmentalists encouraged the, its adoption in, in a, to allay fears that the Trump administration would sell large swaths of federal land to be used for drilling, mining, or real estate development. So, oh no! Just to summarize, the state wants to limit what the feds can do with their federal land within the state. That's right. See, okay. we we got a lot of greenies. You got that here. right. No, no, you heard <laughs> and, that right. And, and so they're afraid that Trump, because he's big bad orange man, that's right, will sell federal land within the state's borders to drilling and big oil and all that. Oh or my. no, probably or, nuclear bomb test sites <laughs> would be my guess. <laughs> right, that little concentration por- camps, that little uh, old army base right next to a major populated area. Yes, I'm going to start testing right there. Okay, okay. right there. I'm going to do uh, supersonic, you know, test runs and just gotcha. <laughs> in prison camps for children separated from their families. Toxic and, waste fountains, probably. You know, just yeah, kind of just like geysers. Yeah, just green sludge right. billowing out. Right. Why okay. not? So that that's basically what he's going to do. Is that what you're saying? That's Bobby? exactly what they're going to do. the The biggest fear mongering that we've got in this in this time is, of course, fracking. 
scares the poop out of what everybody. What is fracking? Break it down for people who don't know what <laughs> fracking is. Break it down is. for everybody who doesn't understand what fracking is. Okay. Yes. They take nasty, nasty chemicals and they put it in your drinking water. They're evil. They put it in your drinking water and then they just mix it all in there so that they can get dirty oil. So no, seriously. Can, okay. So what they do is they use a hypersonic uh, drilling technique in which they vibrate the ground and the shale to separate oil from sediment rock. Okay. Okay. So now they've, the concern is, of course, earthquakes when it comes to fracking. Now, not to say that using the chemicals isn't, of course, a different issue altogether, but when you're talking about California, you are talking about geological problems that we have. Do we, do always, we already frack? We frack in a couple of areas, but it's not, the populated areas that we have coastally are not suitable for fracking they just don't have the oil or the necessary they're not frack friendly they're not frack friendly frackable but the areas that would be considered frack friendly they don't have a water table like they do say in the midwest or what have you okay so they're not they're not in the same ballpark as we have now the major issue that i was i was alluding to was of course earthquakes we have a lot of them no matter what we're california in Oklahoma, where they do a lot of fracking, they've noticed that they've had an uptick in earthquakes in that area. They do have problems with earthquakes over there. It's not, you know, just a California thing. So they've been having a lot of three pointers, three point oh's, four point oh's at the highest. Babies. Yeah. We over here in California go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> That's no big deal. Um, it, you know, though, if you look at like the Caltrans shake map, Caltrans, uh, Caltech shake map and stuff like that, we have twos and threes all the all time. The time. Yeah. And you just don't even feel them. You're in bed. You're kind of like, did I just and, have and not one? even though. I mean, depending on the depth, it's like kind of rocks you to sleep. You get ones and twos every day. Um, the, no, the reason why I asked if we were fracking anywhere in the state already, because I was curious to see if we've seen that statistically relevant earthquakes tied to it locally. Well, you know no, 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 they, they can't, they can't tie that locally. No, no. It's what I'm hard. saying is right. No, I, not, not to Oklahoma or whatever, but I'm saying here locally, a, is there anywhere we frack already? And B, have there been earthquakes around where we frack locally here? Yeah, I'm not even certain that anyone is actually fracking in the state at all. Because okay. there are still a lot of available deposits for us to continue drilling the old-fashioned way. On dry land. On dry land with the old uh, big dipper Until things. the Central Valley outlaws drilling. That's, that's right. We talked about that. That's where they're aiming for. They don't, they, the big swaths of land, federal land, are, of course, national parks. Now, what we're really actually talking about when we're talking about the federal lands is that there are three areas in which the federal government wants to get rid of a couple of projects that they have. Let me see if I can pull these up. Um, oh, okay, here we go. They have uh, a plan where an army base would transfer 78 acres in Dublin, California, to a private company who will construct U.S. Army training facilities. So they want to switch it up. Didn't it, seem like a bad thing. It, it's not. It, okay, so... We're we're per, we're changing from a cold war cold war era, where we used to have all these army depots, 
Right. And, you know, uh, every so far so that we can spread out having tanks here and big trucks there and things that go boom over there. So right. that just in case the commies come in, they all we are, can be ready. We can be times. ready. Exactly. For the commies. But we might, we got commies developing now internally. <laughs> yeah. But we're, we were afraid of, you know, possible invasion, but that's We've been not, invaded. True. <laughs> that caravan keeps marching along and there's another one coming. Right. But in the reality of it is we're downsizing our bases. That's just what we're doing. And the reason why we're doing that is because we have missile defense systems in place. Right, right, right. Yeah, we can just blow people up from afar now. That's right. Push of a button kind of deal. Right. Uh, I, yeah, yeah. No, because like what you were saying, I, I, most of the Fed land is like national parks and forests, and I just don't see them interfering with oil drilling in those. Like they haven't set that precedent anywhere, right? No, I mean, like they no, would go and like to Los Padres and just start putting. No, but, but now, as long as a progressive or a liberal can imagine it, it's right. as good as it's happened. Right, right, right. Thought police. Well, the same thing. Uh, they they got another naval base. Uh, where does it say here? Um, over in San Diego that they want to get rid of. They're just closing it down. It's a pretty much abandoned. Like remember old Edwards Air Force mm-hmm. Base. Right. Same thing. It, it's just not needed anymore. But I'll throw this at you. Remember when the EPA came and cut off fishing rights out, out outside uh, Los Angeles area? I don't remember that story. Yeah, they just closed it off and said, this is now a preserve. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So those kind of things. Right. You know, do you give out fishing rights now? Do you go into this area? Do you go into well, that area? Well, you do area? have to get a fishing license. I mean, you can't just go out and fish. You have to go and get your annual fishing license. Yeah, but when I when the federal government comes down and says you can't, even though you have a fishing license, right? No, I, I get that. Part. Yeah, it's and you can't go thirty nautical miles over here, and you can't do this over there because we're going to find you or possibly arrest you. Well, we deal with that locally with the snowy plover at Vandenberg Air Force Base. There's a giant chunk of beach that isn't usable for I think more months out of the year than it is actually usable because it's where the snowy plover breeds. <laughs> so, Oh my goodness. <laughs> they also have a third proposed sale that would allow the transfer of some land that's west of Los Angeles so that the VA can contract out the construction of housing for local veterans. Sounds pretty cold. Yeah, it sounds, <laughs> like, that sounds awful. I mean, I... I kind of like our veterans. I'm, I think some people like them as well, and they just want what's best for them. Give them housing, right? That's cool. I came across this. This is kind of interesting. It's a, it's a tangent, but it's it's totally related to all this. There was a guy. Um, well, this was a, a op-ed more or less in TechCrunch, and it was the guy who was running for. Boy, I think. I think uh, he's, he's he's running right now as a libertarian candidate in California. Okay. I say all this to say in this in this TechCrunch article that he wrote, here was the angle he took with federal lands in California talking about this. He said the federal government's net worth of natural resources is at least $130 trillion across the whole United States. California is the third largest state in the U.S. and it's 45 million federal acres of land 
could be worth 10 to 20 trillion dollars. His proposal, obviously really rough math. This is probably too high, but even haircut these numbers. What if you took the median of those 10 to 20 trillion, so 15 trillion dollars worth of federal lands in California and you leased it out? And it earning at a 5% return, you're talking 750 billion dollars a year. Just now granted, that that's the biggest high level number Lofty. because because you know all land is not going to be worth 5% a year. Right. Haircut that in half, 300 billion, 400 billion. It's an interesting idea obviously coming from someone me and obviously this person too, but coming from me who's thinking you always want to make the best and highest use of the asset that you have and we have this federal land. It's really it, it starts to totally juxtapose we want to do all these things. I think they're all crazy, but we want to do all these things in this state that cost money. We're looking at a resource like federal land to possibly lease out, earn a revenue on. Not not well, not, not the craziest, right? Yeah, and I think people don't realize too, if you look at a map of different areas in the state, you see how many of these little like Bureau of Land Management pockets there are these little blm like yeah it could be surrounded by like a a total locality and then there's this pocket in the middle that's blm or bureau of indian affairs or there's a lot of these fed organizations that own little pockets of land all over the place and unless you actually pull out a map you'd never know it you know um yeah i guess i have mixed feelings on that i mean i i think you want to retain land locally but if you don't own it to begin with yeah. Who are you to say, you know? Well, let me let do? me throw this at you. Just I want to say a few years ago, um China was pretty much the only player in rare earth mines. Okay, rare, rare earth mineral mines. So if you wanted say, I don't know, lithium or sure. or some other metals that I have absolutely no idea how to pronounce, your only source was probably China and maybe a, a, a small enclave of different mines from around the world, whereas in America we weren't mining these things. It's not that they're difficult to find per se. It's that you need to find a really good vein and be willing to extract it. And we had that here in the southwest. I want to say it's somewhere in California uh, by Death Valley somewhere. But we, we finally opened up that drilling operation down there so that we wouldn't have to be so dependent on getting certain minerals for all our new technology needs, especially mm -hmm, electric cars. Right. So is it such a bad thing? Can we do it cleaner than say China does? I bet you we can. Oh, for sure. And and at a better wage too. Yeah. I mean, we're not using slave labor to, to mine. So I'll throw you in there. (laughs) I require a paycheck and full benefits. And sleep. <laughs> and sleep. <laughs> sleep. You don't want to live at the facility? Nope. Why not? Come on. Be a pal. I'm next you. All right. Uh, next. The digital gong. <laughs> if that's yeah. what it takes. Uh, California escalates fight with Trump administration over clean vehicle rules. California's got nothing else to do but just battle Trump. 
Battle, battle, battle. They've opened up a couple Louis, of lawsuits. And- Louis, Louis, <laughs> they're our only line of defense against total and utter destruction from the man in Washington. The orange man, bad yeah. NPC rules. This comes from the San Diego Union Tribune. California's officials upped the ante in their fight with President Trump over vehicle fuel economy standards, urging the administration to withdraw its proposed to weaken federal rules and eliminate the state's ability to set its own greenhouse gas emissions guidelines. This is a high-stakes poker that's being played by the federal government, said Becerra, alongside Jerry Brown and California Air Resources Board Chairman Mary Nichols. I, I love how important they think they are, or this oh. concept is. High-stakes poker. No, no, no. They, right. Oh, they, my God. They just deal in the most critical things. And without them, guys, we would be totally and utterly lost. Clean That's vehicle the rules. It is the biggest thing on the plate right now. Well, we are. Sorry, I didn't mean of, to cut you off. No, Bobby, we're but. kind of playing this interesting game here in California because we actually are allowed to make our own rules. And the reason why we're able to do so is because we have the Clean, uh, the Clean Air Act of California, which was enacted quite a few years ago. I think it was in old George Bush days, in which we're the only state that can independently adopt its own emission standards, and other states have to adopt them. Which is why when you buy a new car and you look at the sticker and it's always got the markup for California emissions package because it's usually it's pretty much always more restrictive than whatever the normal prevailing standard is. That's right. So we're, we're, we're constantly raising these standards, these cafe standards and saying, well, if you want to sell here now, in, side note, we're doing that with our, with our beef thing, with our cage free animals. Remember uh proposition? Yeah, we 12? talked about that a while ago. Well, that was in putting our own standard on something and saying, well, if you want to do business in California, you got to meet this standard. That's essentially what the Clean Air Act does. It's saying, if you want to sell a car, it needs to meet the certain standards of our state. Now, let's talk about the actual numbers here because back when Obama did this, he created the Federal Fuel Economy Standards where the nation's cars and trucks needed to average more than 50 miles per gallon by 2025. Wow. That's not too far away. No. And if you well, and there's well, a lot achieving of things that, that is, that. <laughs> achieving yeah. that goal is pretty far away. And that's exactly the point. Here along comes Truman goes, um, can we actually do it's kind of like remember when we had that episode where we were talking about uh micro stamping bullets? Totally. <laughs> oh no, right. it wasn't possible. Um, that's right. Uh, you must you must be able to teleport by 2025, and if you don't, you'll go to jail. Uh, there's nothing on the horizon to that, be able to f- help us figure out how to do that. But okay, <laughs> that may have been one of the dumbest stories we ever talked about, and that they were mandated to put a, a stamp on a bullet as the bullet fired, so they could trace it who it belonged to. And the industry said that that technology doesn't even exist. And they said, well, you need to invent it. <laughs> like, come on. Totally. We're ridiculous. totally going to do this. We're totally <laughs> going to do it. So what do we roll it back to? Okay. So, uh, 
say that for the goals of, we changed it the emissions to 40% below we, that's what we want to do we want to go 40% below 1990s levels by the year 2030 you know what to me is it's totally absurd about all this is the market distortions that occur because of these sorts of mandates i think it's i know we, i think we've talked about it off air before is it fiat that makes an electric car. And basically the CEO came out and said, please, nobody buy it. Do not buy our fiat electric vehicle. And the reason is because they lose money on everyone that they sell. It's a net loser. But they have to have it in their fleet yeah. to help out their MPG numbers for their company. Uh. So, the, <laughs> so this is what you've done to the marketplace. People produce nothing, junk, that nobody's going to want and that they are asking you to not buy simply so they can meet a federal mandate. Well, and like we talk about all the time, it's not like that cost of that piece of junk electric car isn't going to get passed to the consumer on the rest of the vehicle lines. Like they're not going to have a a net loss leader. The company's not going to run at a loss in order to accomplish this. Right. They're just going to tack it on to everything else that is being purchased to subsidize it. Like taxes, like we've talked about. Exactly. So everybody actually ends up losing in the situation, (laughs) except for the manufacturer. But the manufacturer still got to deal with the cost of producing a car that's worthless to them. So... My, so my my car does this. I, I have a BMW and it does the auto start stop and it's got an economy mode. So you can hit a button and when you come to a stop and the conditions are right, the engine turns off and then you put your foot back on the gas and it turns on almost hybridish, but it's not a hybrid. And BMW totally admits that it's a worthless feature that doesn't save you any gas. In fact, <laughs> it might actually burn a it's little bit. It's about feeling good. Okay? Yeah. And it might actually burn a little bit because you're having to start the car, you know, every stoplight. But they, but they add it to qualify for California admissions. And I was just, or I was going to say, I also get the sense that some of these features, maybe not that one, but some of the things that the car manufacturers do, they do so that when they get the car rated exactly. for their for their e- official EPA miles per gallon, etc., they can get a couple extra numbers bump out of it. But come to real-world driving, you're never going to see that. That doesn't actually happen. But as long as they can get that sticker, the official numbers up a little bit, that helps them meet this federal... Man, it's all trickery. It's like, what was it, VW? (laughs) Tuned all their cars? Just just cheated. cheated. Yeah, Yeah. forget it. Yeah. So along comes Bad Orange Man. Super bad. Super bad. And he instituted a freeze on vehicle mileage targets in 2020, which were in... They were supposed to go up. And by freeze, you mean he just opened up a bar- bunch of barrels of oil and dumped them on the ground? That's right. Yeah. right. He just started getting baby seals and just dousing them in oil. And for he put a freeze on for six years, around 37 miles per gallon, and revoked California's ability to set its own vehicle emission standards. Ooh, we didn't like that, I'm sure, as a state. We right? did not like that as a state. Interestingly enough... The polling shows that 75% of Californians like the fact that we do our own standards. They do. Oh, and, and I'll be a little bit of a lib on this one. Uh-oh. Growing up in California, there is a major difference between air quality today than there was in the 90s. I mean, the 90s, you would have like smog days and you couldn't go outside the classroom. 
It was gross. And now it everything is cleaner. Like air quality is much, much better in LA than it used to be. So I do give them that. I agree with you. And I know we've talked about this before, but I'll, at, at, at the risk of repeating myself and things we've already talked about, I'll say it again. I don't think myself or any sort of free, uh, free market supporter or participant would disagree at all with the fact that people need to bear the cost for negative externalities that they create, right? If I have a car and it creates smog and bad air, I totally agree with you that I should somehow bear the cost, however that's come up with, to do that. But that is different, creating those sorts of financial ramifications for me to buy a car that's worse polluting than another car, and and I have to pay personally for that. That's different than a government entity coming in and saying, you will do this. Because in the first case, I have the choice of buying a car that really pollutes and bearing extra cost or seeking out a car that doesn't pollute as much and bearing less cost. But I think people would argue that if you and Bobby want to buy polluting cars okay. and we do and bear whatever cost it is, right. you're affecting other people's quality of life with your smoke billowing car. But but it, because like it's not like your money goes to scrubbing the air. But but not but the way am, California spends it anyway. Right. Well, right. I mean, that's part of the problem with the California cap and trade system. Is okay. So you've collected all this money. You're not about to redistribute it back out evenly amongst the constituents of California. You're going to collect it and now spend it as as you the collective deem fit. Right. Well, I and I think my. My dad, my devil's advocate on your analogy is that the clean air only works in the totality of the circumstances, right? When all the cars are more efficient or more clean burning, then the air quality is better. But if I could buy my way into a dirty car and a lot of people did that, we wouldn't, that money is not going to like offset. You can't just clean the air, right? So... No, I understand, but but you can begin, you could begin to impose, and then what you do with the money that you've, uh, the tax that you've imposed, that's what we were just talking about, but you could impose a prohibitive enough tax on said smog production that, yes, some people could still do it, but most would seek an alternative. It's kind of but like- they've the, tried that with cigarettes, and, and it hasn't brought down- Part of it, though, is I would argue what happens to the money after it's collected. It's the same concept as on a federal system they they thought about, and I think we've talked about this. They've thought about doing some sort of a cap-and-trade nationally um, and then collecting all the money and then redistributing it evenly amongst the population of the United States. So it's not that a bureaucracy takes it and eats it up. It's it's just a mechanism to impose an, a ramification for polluting, for doing whatever you're doing, and then you get a little bit back, whereas someone else got a bigger paycheck back relative to what they spent. It's just a market mechanism to right. try and uh, change incentives, change behavior. Well, you know, we were I was talking about all these politicians who were there who are opposed to us changing the way we're doing things. And the reason why they're all up there was because Remember, Jerry Brown actually signed us on to the Paris Accords. Oh, yeah. You forgot about that. I did. Uh, it's kind of weird that he did that. 
and Given Trump that, signed us out. Well, Trump signed us out first, and then Jerry Brown obviously came out and said, we're going to do it anyway. So he's he's missing our targets, which makes him look bad. Well, and we've realized the whole Paris Accord thing is a joke. We were the only ones really <laughs> holding <Yeah. laughs> right. holding accountability on it. Of course. Yeah. Nobody else cared. Wasn't China part of it? China is a part of it. <laughs> and because China's a part of, of it, we need to be in, in it. The stat of the day is that half of our pollution right now here on the West Coast actually comes all the way across the Pacific Ocean from China. <laughs> you guys remember the Olympics? Yeah. They had to like shut down oh, yeah. downtown for like two weeks to, and like a bunch <laughs> of people were standing like blowing in the air to like get all the smog. They were seeding the clouds <laughs> so that the rain would come down. Yeah. That's no, great stuff. And it was a, you know, you were going to mock them if you were going to come in with a mask over your face. Well, and, and if people think that that's a wild stat of the day, um, you just have to look at the major fires we had this summer in California. After like a month, month and a half, they were getting that smoke in Ohio. Yeah. So that stuff travels and it's fuelable by space, mm-hmm. you know, but definitely I could see if you're putting out that much pollution after a while, it's going to go, you know, yeah. to other countries. We're feeling effects over here from them, but they continue to be allowed to con- increase their pollution levels. Right. Not keep them at that level and just say, okay, we're done. And then we'll work on it and we'll lower them and we'll, and we're going to beat your standards. No, 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 no. They're allowed to increase, increase from the, from the amount of pollution they do now, which is atrocious. Right. It's terrible. And India, too, at the same time. I'm not going to let them off the hook. Theirs is really bad. And they don't seem to give a damn. Oh, those countries are just so overpopulated that it's impossible not to have that kind of waste. And they don't care. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, the only time they really care is when someone in the higher-ups is directly affected by whatever pollution is is in their area. That's when they seem to care. Yeah, and then you're just siding with your constituents. Yeah. Oh, pollution. Isn't it a Marvel thing? Now we're going to human pollution. <laughs> was that, was that <laughs> nice wrong? Nice segue. Is that wrong? Nice segue, dude. Now here comes the title. California to allow thousands of nonviolent criminals with life sentences to seek parole. The, Human trash. This is basically stepping back three strikes. Because this is exactly because what you're talking, talking about, about nonviolent lifetime parolees. You know, so most of your violent stuff, you can imagine you can get lifetime sentences for. The nonviolent stuff, though, it's because you got your third strike, your third felony. Which you know what? When you got two strikes, you don't swing high. <laughs> I don't. I don't have a whole lot of. God, there's always these arguments back and forth about oh, but then you you steal a pack of gum and then you go to jail. You shouldn't be stealing anymore on your third strike. Like you should live a life of pure, just integrity at that point. <laughs> so here it comes. Here comes the article from thehill.com. California will allow thousands of nonviolent criminals serving life sentences to seek parole under a ballot measure approved by the voters two years ago. 
the state will reportedly draw up new regulations to include prisoners deemed repeat offenders in early release provisions by January. Corrections Department spokesman Vicki Waters told the news agency that the state parole board estimates anywhere between 3,000 and 4,000 nonviolent third strikers could be eligible for release under the new voter-approved law. So yes, it is a it is a contradiction to the three strikes law. That's exactly what we're talking about. Now the the proposition that we're talking about was Proposition Fifty Seven from quite a few from two years ago. Um, they approved it, sure did. Makes someone eligible. Now, here's the real truth about Proposition Fifty Seven. Give it to us. The real stuff. A free a few years you ago, get the real stuff. A on few this years show. ago, uh, California was given an, like a terrible rating from human human rights violations because we were overpacking our <laughs> oh my god our prisons. Third world country, California. That's exactly it. So we were given the opportunity to either <laughs> increase prisons so that we could ha- house more prison inmates. Or simply just let them I'll go. I'll take option A. That's the option that was put... Well, it wasn't really the option that was put up for the people. It wasn't, hey, here's a bond measure for more prisons. We didn't get that option. Okay? The real option was, hey, you want to get rid of some of these uh, nonviolent offenders? I'm sure none of them will do anything about it. You know, they'll, right. they're will they going to live a, you know, a, a real good life and be a boon to their community but that wasn't the option we we have too many prisoners in our system even today even after we've released so many you know prisoners already and we're still not fixing the problem right because we need more prison space i mean the answer is not releasing people i i just don't see that and i get you'll hear you all the arguments for all the you know the amount you spend on an inmate is it worth it? And they're in there for something that's ticky tack. Or my thought on because I'm going to just speak primarily on three strikes because that's what the article is touching on is that you were given three chances to just be a stand up human being and you couldn't hold it together. <laughs> like, and now we're going to release you. And I'm going to say now I'm not an odds maker, but <laughs> I am an amateur statistician. If we'll we'll see some of those people again. If, you, if you've done it three times, we'll probably see a fourth and a fifth. Right? And I feel like the odds aren't in your favor, and you're going to be now a parolee, and now you're going to commit another a fourth crime. You're going to be back in there probably for good, because you'll probably be like ineligible for parole when you come back for a parole violation. So I, I'd actually be curious to see how many of these people let go end up violating parole and going back into the system. There was a statistic, oh. and it's most of them. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Maybe you should told switch you. careers. Louis. Told you. I I'm just connecting dots here. Every you can do it at home too, but there, you know, it's a certain lifestyle that you can become accustomed to. I think that I think there's a lot of truth to that. You know, there's a lot of truth to it. And you mean when you're a prisoner, or what do you mean? Well, a certain lifestyle. L- l- let me say a lawbreaker. Okay, a criminal. A criminal. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> There's a roundabout way to come up with a person who doesn't follow the laws and exactly. Uh, regulations. Exactly. So 
they have a hard time following the rules. They question authority. They have they run with the same crowds. Okay, so they're constantly in trouble. And so if you ask any cop on the beat, and they'll tell you the calls that they get and the people they interact with are the same people every single day. They know the troublemakers in their area. And it's usually a very small percentage of the people. And guess what? They all hang out with each other. Remember when we had like the gang injunction stuff and say like... They call that a gang. Yeah. Well, even, even still... Even when people leave the gang, they're still in the same circle of friends. Right, right, right. I mean, they don't have to be active gang members, you know, but they're still participating in a lot of the same crap that they always did when they right, were young. Right. And, and you see it. They're called OGs. Is that what they're called? <laughs> they're called OGs. So you get a lot of these people. They come out of jail. And where do they go? They go back to the community in which they came from. They go back to their lifestyle. Yeah, you don't go from... Being a gangbanger down in South LA to living in a track home in Santa Clarita with your 2.3 kids. And you, you have to work hard to get out of that lifestyle. And I feel like getting early release on a third strike didn't put you in the right frame of mind. You weren't rehabilitated to not come back. We just let you go. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the difference. If you had some kind of like parole you could work for, like anything else, and it was, oh, okay, well, now you're rehabilitated to some extent, and we're going to let you go. But when you just take a line through a spreadsheet and you go, okay, all these people, release them, I think that's where we get problems. I think the article's really questioning, and I'll leave it up to you guys, you know, is the three strikes law a failure? Well, I guess it depends on what your metrics are. There's... You're talking basically, in some ways, is is the right line drawn at the right place? Because, look, you remove a line, mm. what's going to be the incentive for breaking out of that lifestyle or, tr- or or trying to change someone's habits in that lifestyle, right? So, okay, now let's say it's six strikes. Well, is that magically going to now make them? We we set it. We set the line too soon. It should be the fourth or the fifth. I don't know, but you you start pushing that line back. I, I have well, a hard time saying. Yeah, I have a hard time seeing how, you know, studies would show that but between the fourth and the fifth time is when it really begins to sink in. I I doubt it. Well, it's like okay, let's say you get c- committed to your first offense. What is it? Five years. Let's say it's something simple. I, I'm not even going to go into it. It's not murder, obviously, but it was a it was a crime. So then you go on for five years. You get paroled early, maybe three plus two years parole or something like that. Finish off your your sentence, and then guess what? You did something again. So let's say it's another five years. At some point, you go. Do you want to live your life in the prison system? So <laughs> Louis does this often. I'll, I'll bring up. I'll play kind of the bad guy here for a second. In that, you know, because you mentioned right, what you always hear about is the cost of of an inmate, et cetera. Right. Is that maybe part of the problem too, though? Is prison ain't that bad? That like when you go, it's, dude, it's okay. It's prison, but you know, you got stuff. You've got your exercise. You've got TV. I, 
Right? I've, I've been they able got to... color TV in there. It's, you know, it's true. I've, I've gotten to go into prisons. It's just part of shop yeah. stuff. And you walk in there, and they've got basically headphones that sync. It's kind of like going to the gym that sync up with specific TVs, and they're in there. They're watching Sports Center, and they have their exercise yard, and they're fed. And I, people get accustomed to that, you know, and you get institutionalized by it, too. And then I don't think, I think they're too cushy. You know, everybody got upset years ago when who's the, the sheriff down in Arizona or whatever makes them sleep in like right. yards Pyro. Yeah. and wear like pink jumpsuits. You have to make, I'm not saying make it inhumane, but I'm saying you need to make it a certain degree of, I don't want to be here. Yeah. So like, I didn't like going to detention as a kid. I used to go to detention a lot, right? They weren't showing you sports center in no. detention. You were cleaning right? chalkboards or doing standards or whatever, you know, my little Catholic school wanted you to do. I did. I got tired of doing that stuff for an hour after school. I wanted to be outside with my friends. Like, so at a certain point, you're like, ah, I don't want to get detention. But if it was enjoyable, then I probably wouldn't develop that. I don't want to do detention. Louis, welcome to detention. Here is the bowl of candy. So if you get hungry, <laughs> just come to the front, get some exactly. candy. And um, here's Sports Center. You've got a personal <laughs> iPad at your desk. Uh, it's preloaded with movies from iTunes. Um, just a- raise after, your hand when you get bored. And after an hour and a half, you can go home. Okay, cool. You know, the problem with prisons is the uh, gang rape. You know, it's just throwing that out there. And you took it there. Okay, that was a different <laughs> yeah, that, I think if there was a line... <laughs> To getting the explicit or the clean <laughs> label on iTunes, that might have been it. But you know, you're 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 signing up for prison pretty soon. I I can see that you enjoyed this kind of conversation. It means basically you got your headphones on right now. It's no big deal. You enjoy a nice you know, workout. How is it different from your life right now? I got a feeling well, if they threw in Directv and maybe even the um, the NFL package. You might consider it. Only if they let me take a knee on the inside. Fair enough. Could be. Fair enough. And the, they cut you off by taking away your Dodger package, right? Yeah. <laughs> that would be a problem. All right, Bobby. We're cutting you off. No. Time for the James Woods Tweet of the Week. So Greg Polowitz tweets, and I'm going to clean up the first part here. For goodness sakes, not being able to use a Georgia driver's license to vote in Tennessee is not voter suppression. And James Wood says, it's like explaining algebra to a parakeet. We're going to have to do a thing on voter ID coming up because I have a lot to say about that. The three of us, uh, we were at a dinner recently where that got talked about. And I will tell you that was nothing short of unbelievably depressing. I've gotten in a number of debates with with Democrats over voter ID stuff, and I still cannot see the the logic and why it's oppressive to require an ID. And I don't want to get too deep into it now, but but you do want to get deep but into but it. but especially when you look up and around at every other thing that you do in your daily life where they ask you for an ID. You don't think anything of it because it seems reasonable for them to have asked you for an idea. Well, and I think it delves into the bigotry of low expectations, yeah. the soft bigotry. Well, it's so funny because it, the voter ID is something that's adopted by many countries. 
most countries actually have this. Right. It's it's not unheard of. It's just here. It's you know you can use it as a rally cry for bunk. Absolutely, it's ridiculous. Well, another successful show. Maybe that will be the topic in episode twenty six. Thanks for joining us. New episodes on Wednesday. Apple iTunes and Google Store. Tell a friend.